Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of Tiana Notis, a 25-year-old woman from Plainville, Connecticut, who was stabbed to death on February 14, 2009. In the weeks before her murder, Tiana had filed a restraining order against her ex-boyfriend, but he refused to leave her alone. Tiana went to police several times to ask for help, but Police claim there was nothing they could do. And on Valentine's Day 2009, she was attacked outside her home and murdered. When the details of this case came to light, we find out that Tiana's murder was not only a senseless act of violence, but also the failure of an entire system. This is Tiana's story. The murder of Tiana Notis is a heart-wrenching story that has striking similarities to many other tragic stories that we've recently told. It is a story of unspeakable violence and betrayal that left her loved ones reeling with both shock and grief. But one of the most frustrating aspects of this case is the apparent failure of law enforcement to protect Tiana. Despite numerous warning signs, reports of harassment, and a restraining order against her ex-boyfriend, the police failed to intervene in time to prevent the tragic outcome. This story also highlights the disturbing prevalence of intimate partner violence and how it comes in different forms and the devastating consequences that it has for victims and their families. Tiana's ex-boyfriend's inability to accept the end of their relationship and his escalating threats and harassment towards her are a tragic reminder of how toxic and dangerous these situations can become. Now, although this case is solved, it is important that we acknowledge and address these issues as a society to help prevent more tragedies like what happened to Tiana from occurring. We must prioritize the safety and well-being of domestic violence victims and provide them with the support they need to escape abusive relationships and rebuild their lives if need be. 
Tiana Notice was born on February 4th, 1989, in Worcester, Massachusetts, but grew up mostly in Connecticut. Her parents were Kathy Lewis and Alvin Notice, and Tiana also had three brothers. Her family remembers her as an incredibly gifted child. Her father, Alvin, recalled that even at the age of six, Tiana's talent was evident, saying in an interview with True Crime Daily, quote, I believe at age six that we knew she was special. Tiana had a passion for music, and that continued to grow and flourish as she got older. She spent much of her time writing her own songs and poetry. She also participated in choirs and was a part of music groups where she lived. Tiana, according to her family, was also really mature for her age, and so she was also more focused than your average kid, especially as she got older. In high school, Tiana was not only gifted artistically, she was also smart, and so she completed her senior year at Fitchburg College as part of a dual program that allowed her to complete her first year of college at the same time she finished her senior year of high school. After graduating from high school, Tiana attended the University of Hartford, where she majored in political science. During her time in college, Tiana's passion for creating positive change in the world was evident. She became an activist, dedicating herself to advocating for a number of issues that were close to her heart. Her family and friends knew that she was deeply concerned about the disenfranchised, and Tiana made it her mission to work towards creating a more just and equitable society. One of the ways in which Tiana channeled her activism was through the funding of a chapter of the Roosevelt Institution at her campus— now, the Roosevelt Institution is a nonprofit, nonpartisan national network of campus based student think tanks, and its members conduct policy research on pressing political issues facing the world and present it to policymakers. Tiana's dedication to this cause was obvious from the start, and she quickly emerged as a leader and mentor to the undergraduates in the chapter. Her vision and commitment also inspired others to get involved, and the chapter quickly became one of the most active and respected on campus. But Tiana's commitment to activism didn't end there. She also volunteered at the Women's Center on her campus, a vital resource for students who were dealing with issues related to gender, sexuality, and reproductive health. And there, she participated in events that promoted awareness around issues such as Eating Disorder Awareness Week and World AIDS Day. Her dedication to promoting social justice and equality was unwavering, and she made a lasting impact on the campus community through her tireless efforts. For Tiana, activism was not just a hobby or a side interest. It was a fundamental part of who she was. She believed deeply in the power of collective action to bring about positive change in the world, and she was committed to doing her part to make that happen. After graduating from college with her bachelor's degree, Tiana decided that she wasn't quite done with school, and so she decided to continue her education at the University of Connecticut, where she pursued a master's degree in communication. She started working as a recruiter at Post University in Waterbury full-time during the day and taking classes at night. And at that time, Tiana was living in Plainville, Connecticut. As far as her personal life during this time, there isn't a lot of information available. But according to reporting, Tiana had been in a relationship for about five years, but that relationship had ended. And so despite not really looking for a serious relationship, she was open to dating new people. And in 2007, 
MySpace was a way to meet new people. Now, MySpace was one of the pioneers in the social media industry. It was founded in 2003, and by 2007, it had already become a popular platform for people to connect with friends, share music and videos. And it also had features such as blogs and groups and messaging, which made it easy for users to interact with other people. And so it wasn't an uncommon way for people to meet or build relationships through the website. But sometime in 2007, Tiana met a man named James Carter, who lived in Bloomfield, Connecticut. James told Tiana that he had a job as an executive in the insurance industry. He owned his own home and didn't have any kids. On paper, he presented himself as a good guy who was well put together. And at first, Tiana was intrigued. After meeting online, Tiana agreed to meet him for dinner. And not long after that, they began dating. At first, James seemed to be a really nice guy, and Tiana despite not initially looking for a serious relationship, found herself liking James. He ended up buying her a phone and even bought her new tires for her car. Tiana's mother, however, said that there was something about James that she just didn't like, even though she had never met him in person, calling it a mother's intuition. She told True Crime Daily, quote, I don't know what she saw in him because I never met him in person. I only saw photos of him, and I immediately disliked him. Looking back now, the big gifts so early into the relationship may have been the first red flag. Abusers often love bomb in the beginning of relationships to lure their partners or potential partners into a false sense of security. And love bombing is a manipulative tactic that involves showering someone with excessive attention, flattery, and gifts in the early stages of a relationship. And this can create a sense of euphoria or excitement, which can sometimes make it difficult to see those signs or those red flags. Unfortunately, this tactic is often used by abusers as a way to gain control over their partner and to set the stage for future abuse. Now, it's important to remember that not all gifts or gestures of affection in the early stages of a relationship are a red flag. However, if someone is consistently over the top with their displays of affection, it's worth taking a step back and assessing whether this behavior is normal or not. Above all, it's important to trust your gut instincts and to not ignore any warning signs that may arise. And... It didn't take very long for Tiana's relationship with James to take a turn for the worse when she discovered a dark truth about him just six months into their relationship. Despite the charming persona that he had presented to her, James was not the person that he portrayed himself to be. In a shocking turn of events, James was sentenced to five months in prison for committing domestic violence against an ex-girlfriend. Tiana also learned that this wasn't his first encounter with the law and that James actually had a pretty long, violent rap sheet. I'm not sure whether or not James served the full five months in jail, but by the fall of 2008, Tiana was done with him, and so she cut off the relationship. Not only had he been arrested and served time for domestic violence, she also suspected that he was seeing other women, and so enough was enough. But James didn't want the relationship to end. And shortly after Tiana ended things with him, James began harassing Tiana 
He started calling, texting, and emailing her repeatedly. Despite her pleas for him to leave her alone, he continued to harass her. After weeks of trying to make it stop on her own, Tiana decided to go to the police to file a restraining order against James. In January 2009, Tiana went to the Plainville Police Department and filed a restraining order, which was granted on January 8th, 2009. And that should have been the end, but it was only the beginning. However, James had beaten her to the police department And in retaliation for dumping him and then rejecting him, James had filed a police report against Tiana four days before. He claimed that he had been assaulted by her and that she had vandalized his car. But without any evidence to support his claims, police concluded that there was no evidence of a crime. As ridiculous as it was that James filed a police report, Tiana hoped that it was a signal that This was an end to their tumultuous relationship. However, things started to escalate. Despite the restraining order, Tiana soon found out that James had no intention of leaving her alone. Within days of the order being granted, Tiana again started receiving a barrage of emails, calls, and texts from James. The situation was rapidly getting worse. And Tiana was left wondering what would happen next. Would she be forced to take further action to protect herself, or would James finally give up and move on? As she struggled to come to terms with the ongoing harassment and threats, Tiana knew that she had to stay strong and keep fighting. What would happen next was uncertain, but... One thing was clear. The battle with James was far from over. 25-year-old Tiana Notice had been dating a man named James Carter until she realized he wasn't the man that she thought he was and broke off their relationship. But James didn't want the relationship to end, and he began harassing Tiana. She eventually filed a restraining order, but it wasn't enough. In just a few short days after the restraining order was granted, James began contacting Tiana again. When Tiana initially reported James's harassment to the police in January 2009, she hoped that it would put an end to the torment caused by him. Despite the restraining order, James had continued to contact Tiana, and his behavior was becoming increasingly more aggressive. In his emails, he threatened that she would lose everything and warned her that karma would come back to haunt her. Tiana was rightly upset and afraid because clearly James had no intention to respect the restraining order. On January 13th, 2009, Five days after the restraining order was granted, Tiana went back to the Plainville police to report James's violation. She spoke to an officer there and showed him the messages, but the police told her that there was nothing they could do because the messages were not threats. But Tiana knew that James was threatening her, 
even if the language he used wasn't specific. And without police intervention, the harassment continued to escalate. But the following day, January 14th, 2009, James also filed a restraining order against Tiana. And on January 16th, they both attended a hearing at which both restraining orders were granted. Over the next couple of weeks, James, however, continued to call, text, and email Tiana. And she would go back each time to the police asking for help. And each time, the police told her there was nothing they could do about the messages. Tiana even began receiving messages from someone claiming to be someone named Jessica Banderas. The emails from the account claimed that she was James's ex-girlfriend, and those messages were described as nasty and threatening. And Tiana knew that they were actually coming from James. When she went to the police to tell them about those messages, again, they told Tiana that there was nothing they could do. Even when he began stalking Tiana, police failed to intervene. According to her mom, James began sitting outside Tiana's apartment. He would follow her when she went shopping or follow her to and from work. Tiana was afraid, and the fact that the police were doing nothing only made it worse. On January 31st, 2009, James went to the Bloomfield police claiming that Tiana had sent him a letter with a picture. However, the contents of that alleged letter seemed unusual to the officer taking the complaint. It was a picture of Tiana, clearly identifying her and then asking James to call her. And the officer thought it was weird for someone to send a photo of themselves to their ex and then have their name written on it, as if they wouldn't recognize them. The officer did contact Tiana, and he asked her about the letter. But she explained that she was actually the one being harassed and wanted nothing to do with James. She insisted that she had not written the letter to him. And so the officer took the letter and sent it to a lab to see if he could get fingerprints lifted. 33 times, Tiana went to the police over the course of six weeks. And each time, police told her that they could not help her. Each time, they told her there was nothing they could do to stop the harassment and stalking. Quote, I didn't know why they didn't take my daughter seriously, her mom Kathy told True Crime Daily. Because James was following her to work in Waterbury and contacting her there, Tiana decided to try to go to the Waterbury Police Department for help. But they, too, offered her nothing. She left the department that day hysterical. Kathy told True Crime Daily, quote, she was in her car hysterically crying, and she said, Mom, you wouldn't believe these people. They treated me like dirt. They didn't believe anything I told them. They thought I was lying. And one officer accused me of having a fake restraining order. Kathy said that she too was dismissed by the Waterbury Police Department. She said, quote, I spoke with a sergeant that said, oh, nothing's going to happen to your daughter. He snarled at me. And I'm like, look, I don't want my daughter to become a statistic. 
And I'm telling you now, if something happens to my daughter, you better move to another planet. Both Tiana and her parents were afraid, but they were finding that no one in law enforcement seemed to actually care. James was clearly stalking her, and it was only a matter of time before something terrible happened. On February 6, 2009, the tires on her car were slashed. And then again, on February 7th, Tiana went back to the police. But they said that there was no proof that James had vandalized her car. Tiana was starting to realize that police were never going to believe her unless she had hardcore evidence that this was all James. She knew that he had been coming to her apartment, and she knew he vandalized her car, and so she asked her dad, Alvin, to come over and install surveillance cameras outside. Two days later, on February 9th, 2009, Tiana went to the Bloomfield Police Department to provide the officers with her fingerprints and two writing samples in regards to the accusations made by James. And she was understandably frustrated with his continued attempts to contact her. And speaking with one of the officers, Tiana expressed her deep frustration with the situation and told him about the fact that the Plainville police had been investigating harassment from James dating back to when she filed her restraining order in early January. The next day, James also came in to give a writing sample to the Bloomfield police. On February 13, 2009, Tiana was at work at Post University in Waterbury when she received three phone calls from James. When she answered the first call, Tiana didn't realize it was James at first, and so she spoke with him briefly. But during that call, he started to ask her to drop the restraining order, and he wanted to know why their relationship had ended the way it did. And once she realized it was James on the other end, Tiana quickly hung up the phone. However, he called back, but the next two calls were quickly ended once Tiana recognized his voice. Immediately after receiving the calls, Tiana contacted the Plainville Police Department but they told her that since the incident occurred in Waterbury, that she would need to report it to the Waterbury police. And so Tiana left work and went to the Waterbury Police Department, but she was told to go back to her office and wait for the police to arrive. However, by 3 p.m., when the police still had not arrived, Tiana went back to the police department, and this time, she brought a copy of her restraining order and a written statement from her coworker who had overheard the conversation to give to the police. But the Waterbury police were dismissive and questioned whether or not she even had a real restraining order. After leaving the department, Tiana called her mom, Kathy, to update her on the situation. And she also told her what she was told by the Waterbury police, that there was no restraining order on file and that they could not help her. She told her mom that she angrily asked them, what is it going to take before you guys do something? When I'm dead? A few hours later, Tiana called her mom again. And she told Kathy that when she arrived home, she found a letter from James on her door. The note said, quote, Tiana, Forgive me, I never cheated on you. If I'm lying, may God take my life, 
forgive me for everything else I've done. Kathy immediately told Tiana to go to the Plainville police to report what she had found. At around 7.43 p.m. on February 13, 2009, Tiana went to the Plainville police to report another violation of her restraining order. She gave the police the note, and although they said they could not confirm who had written the letter, they did try to contact James but were unable to reach him. After Tiana left the police station, she called her mother back and told her that she had spoken to a Sergeant Sear, who expressed his sympathy for the things that she was going through and told her that he had a daughter the same age. He told Tiana that the Plainville police would investigate the latest violation and get back to her. But Tiana never heard back from Sergeant Sear. The next day, February 14th, Tiana decided to check her emails and saw that James had emailed her again, twice. The emails had been sent the day before, and they read in part, God told me to write this, so please don't tell the cops. I'm going through a life or death situation right now when you're the only one I can talk to. You ever been close to death or thought you were going to die? If I'm lying, may the Lord strike me down and kill me tomorrow. My dad said he had a dream that our neighbors gave us two tombstones at our house. I'm in dire straits, T. Please help me. Get rid of the restraining order. After she found the emails, Tiana told her mom and then printed them out to take them to the police. She returned to the department at around 4.30 p.m. and spoke with Officer Mark Conoy. According to Tiana's friend Robert Dennis, who was on the phone with her when she arrived and listening in on the conversation, Officer Conoy assured Tiana that they would arrest James for violating the restraining order. After learning of the emails and speaking with Tiana, Officer Conoy called the number provided in the emails at around 7.50 p.m., The number, of course, belonged to James. He left a message asking him to call back. And less than 10 minutes later, at around 7.59, James returned Officer Conoy's call. During that conversation, he told James that they would conduct a full investigation. And if they determined that he had sent the emails, they would arrest him. And when Tiana left the police department that evening, She thought she was finally making some progress. Her plan was to not stay at her apartment until James was arrested, but she needed to go home first to get some clothes. An hour and 41 minutes after police spoke to James, police received a 911 call. It was Tiana. At approximately 9.41 p.m., Tiana called 911 to report that she had been stabbed. Frantically, she told the dispatcher that her ex-boyfriend had stabbed her to death and he had stabbed her 20 times. Her neighbors who heard the screams had come outside to help her, but Tiana was losing too much blood. When police arrived, they found Tiana on the back deck of her apartment. She was rushed to Hartford Hospital, but sadly, Tiana succumbed to her injuries and She was pronounced dead at 11.41 p.m. An hour after she was stabbed to death, police arrested James Carter 
and charged him with murder and violating his restraining order against him and criminal trespassing. Investigators had discovered that James was waiting for Tiana when she arrived home that night. Now, his initial plan was to gain access to her apartment through the maintenance man, but when that didn't work, he hid in the dark and waited for her. In 2011, James went on trial for Tiana's murder, but there wasn't much of a case for the defense to present on behalf of their client. First, Tiana, the victim, had ID'd him before she died. The surveillance cameras her dad installed actually captured James running away from the brutal attack. And his own brother testified that James confessed to him that night that he stabbed Tiana. They also found Tiana's blood on his shirt. Now, the defense did argue that James was under, quote, extreme emotional distress and that he snapped. He was hoping to get manslaughter for his client, which would have meant a 20-year sentence. But the defense's arguments fell short, and James was found guilty and sentenced to 60 years in prison. The same year that James went on trial, Alvin Notice sued the Plainville Police Department, the Waterbury Police Department, and the Bloomfield Police Department for how they handled Tiana's repeated reports about James violating the restraining order. In April 2014, a jury found in his favor, and he was awarded $10 million. They concluded that officers had been negligent in handling Tiana's complaints. It wouldn't bring Tiana back, but it was accountability. After her murder, Tiana's dad started the Tiana Angelique Notice Foundation, which aims to bring awareness and to prevent domestic violence. The story of Tiana Notice is a heartbreaking example of the deadly consequences of domestic violence and the urgent need for effective intervention and support. Tiana bravely reached out to the police 33 times in six weeks to report the relentless stalking and harassment that she endured at the hands of her ex-boyfriend. Despite her repeated pleas for help, the police failed to provide the protection she needed to stay safe. Tiana's tragic death is a powerful reminder that domestic violence is a serious issue that must be taken seriously by law enforcement agencies. We must hold those responsible for protecting victims of domestic violence accountable for their actions or inactions and ensure that victims receive the support and resources that they need to get out of these abusive relationships. The loss of Tiana's life is a tragedy that should not be forgotten. It is our collective responsibility to take action to prevent senseless and tragic deaths and to work together to create a safer and supportive environment for everybody. May Tiana notice, rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.